Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Bill Scher has written something very provocative for Washington Monthly. I, I am such a sucker for a piece like this because the conventional wisdom is, and we've gone through the data so many times, nobody wants these guys. Nobody wants it to be a Trump versus Biden rematch. In fact, so much so that you've got no labels out there working, raising money, trying to get ballot position in all 50 states for an unknown ticket. And yet here's Bill Scher, the politics editor of Washington Monthly. He's the host of the history podcast, When America Worked. He's also the co-host of the bipartisan online show and podcast, The DMZ. And he says, no, this this is the race that voters want. Really? Hey, Bill, welcome back. Thanks for being here. All right. Convince us, because I think we're as a group skeptical of what you're here to articulate. Well, there's a reason why Joe Biden and Donald Trump are poised to wrap up their nominations very quickly, and that's because most Democrats, Trump and Biden are accurate reflections of what both parties stand for. Uh, So it's very hard for a Dean Phillips to oust Joe Biden when he voted with Joe Biden almost all the time. Uh, It's very hard for Ron DeSantis to argue, I can be Donald Trump, but a little bit better. Uh, they, Trump and Biden are who the parties are today. And sure, there are people in the middle who will tell pollsters, I don't like either one of them. Uh, but that group of people, there is no consistent ideological view that connects them. Uh, when you poll six-person fields, that group of people split in all different directions. And at the end of the day, most people except and even like the fact that I'm going to make a binary choice which way this country is going to go, and Trump and Biden are reflective of the choice that the country is facing. So I guess the, the, the cornerstone of that argument is that policy is driving the bus, even though personality gets so much attention. Is that fair? I mean, obviously, there's, there's interplay between the two, uh, but it's very hard to... Uh, argue against an incumbent or former incumbent without having some policy uh, distinguishing factors. And this is why the No Labels Project is such a mess, because they can't even articulate what they want to do differently. They're trying to put forth this notion of, let's have a unity ticket. Unite around what? They can't even say. Uh, So, that's why you can't – I would love to have someone who wasn't old. Okay, but to do what? No one can say that. 
You, look, you make a great point, especially on the Republican side of the aisle, because last night, another town hall, DeSantis and Haley, a debate next week just between the two. If I were to challenge my audience, and maybe I'll do this just for shits and giggles after this conversation ends, <laughs> but if I were to challenge the audience and say, OK, call me now and tell me what are the policy differences between Haley, DeSantis and Trump, I think I'd be looking at crickets in my phone lines. Well, I mean, there's a little. I mean, the biggest one with Haley and Trump is Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is a point of division within the Republican Party. And to some extent, there's division on the Democrat side in terms of uh, Israel and Gaza. You know, it's very hard to have any individual. I mean, all parties are coalitions of interest. All parties have a, d- a certain diversity of views going back to the, the founding of these parties. So it's very hard to have a candidate who is absolute there's a perfect consensus on everything uh but uh it's really not enough of a difference i mean if, if haley has a position on ukraine that was dominant she'd be doing much better than she is right now uh there it's it's not it's not insignificant but it's certainly not enough to carry her over donald trump at the end of the day as far as i can tell and on the Democratic side of the aisle, you are correct. I've interviewed Dean Phillips here, and you know he makes it very clear that there's no animus, there's no sharp disagreement between he and the current commander of chief. But instead, he says like we need a generational change here. I do. I must say, I do wonder if someone with a larger profile, better known than Phillips when he got into the race, had emerged to run against Biden, would things be different? I don't know. What's the answer to that question? I just think it's really hard. You have to be for, for it's very rare for an incumbent to get dislodged in a primary. I mean, at, at, at any level uh, of politics. And in almost every case, it's because there's either a massive scandal or the incumbent said something so outside the comfort zone of that person's party that there's a huge appetite to get rid of that person. Uh, age alone I mean, there's no case on the presidential level of age defeating a candidate. And it's come up. It came up with Ronald Reagan. It came up with Dwight Eisenhower. It came up with William Henry Harrison. (laughs) So it's like a lot to try, but generational change in and of itself is rarely enough. You know, Obama ran a generational change, but he had the war. He had the Iraq war to say, we need someone from a different generation to do something different on this big issue. And Dean Phillips hasn't been able to articulate what he's going to do differently than what his generation would do differently than what Joe Biden is currently doing. But how often do you have a major figure of the party who is not a reflection of what that party stands for? In other words, may, your observation is, is, a, is a legitimate observation, but maybe that's always the case. Uh, well, certainly... Typically, I mean, there are so many times when parties are in an unsettled place. Right. I mean, Trump 2016. You know, Trump was a very different cat than the Republicans that preceded him. Uh, but he showed that there was something changing in the base of that party, and he was on the front edge of that. Uh, and you can go back to, you know, the late 19th century between the more conservative Democrats with Grover Cleveland and the populace with William Jennings Bryan. Bryan was changing the nature of the party, uh, even though some people in the party weren't happy about it. So, you know, those things can happen. And, and sometimes when the party's really divided, those candidates don't do very well. You know, George McGovern couldn't piece together a, a majority coalition because one of the more conservative Democrats broke off and went to Nixon. Uh, 
but he was reflective of a, of a change happening in, in the party. Uh, there was a chance maybe that the Trump change was not going to solidify and that a, a sharper candidate could have taken Trump out earlier in this process. But I think Trump was weak, at least relatively weak, in January of 2023. And maybe a DeSantis running high off of his reelection could have exploited that. But DeSantis made a choice to, one, wait to get in and let Talib some legislative wins first, thinking he could that would help his competence argument, and to duck the issue of Trump's indictments. And I think both were were big mistakes on his part. Bill Scher writes for The Washington Monthly about half of the Democrats rated their enthusiasm modestly between five and eight, with another quarter going higher than that. Almost identical percentages of Republicans, 78 percent, and Democrats, 76 percent, pegged their enthusiasm for their respective frontrunner at five or higher. Trump may have a core of more intensely cultish support than Biden, but not necessarily broader. I think this is the key line. I underlined it. Most members of both parties are at least okay with how the race is shaping up. Expand on that. So these numbers come from a very recent USA Today Suffolk University poll. So you've you've probably seen other polls saying, are you satisfied or dissatisfied with Trump or Biden as the nominee? This poll asks on a scale of one to 10, how enthusiastic are you about Trump or Biden as your nominee? This is asked of Democrats for Biden and Republicans of Trump. And Trump gets higher, gets more tens. 44% gave... Trump at 10 amongst Republicans and Biden only 18. But there's not a whole lot of unenthusiastic Democrats for Biden. Uh, The number of people below five and the number of Republicans below five for Trump is basically identical. So you have have a bigger bunch of Democrats who are kind of in that, "Eh, all right, they're between five and eight. Eh, It'll be be okay. Uh, And Trump has sort of less in that space and more up in 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 the nines or tens. But as a, as a mean, as an average, roughly the same. Trump's averaging about seven and Biden's averaging about six. Uh, and just because it's, there's a little less enthusiasm doesn't mean that he's, a, he's DOA in the general election because you can, you know, because deep doesn't always mean broad. And my enthusiastic vote for one candidate counts just as much as a modestly enthusiastic vote for a different candidate. It's all one vote at the end of the day. But why, why might it not be enough for no labels to come along and say, we'll, we'll give you what you want in terms of policy, but just not with, with one personality that's so uh, untethered and another, not personality, but, but physically is just so darn old. Uh, we can have both. We can give you policy and we can give it to you with, with a, in a different persona. Because... The people, I mean, there are plenty of people in this country who are not Republican and who are not Democrat and are, are very cynical about the, about the parties and politics in general. But that group of people don't agree on things amongst themselves. There's no, there's no movement of radical centrists that agree on what to do about Ukraine and Gaza and Social Security and the environment and poverty. It doesn't exist. So once whoever no labels puts up, We'll have to start taking positions on things, and what, once that happens, you 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 make people angry. It's inevitable. Uh, Ross Perot had that problem when he got in. Once it, once it got real, his campaign got more complicated. Um, so, uh, 
it's having a bipartisan ticket. Who decides on the judges? Which which candidate? Which the Republican picks the judges or the Democrat? That's a big difference. <laughs> the Supreme Court has a lot of influence in this country. So all these things are going to make any third party candidacy very complicated. Okay, finish the thought. Hey, I heard this uh, pretty smart guy on Michael's program today. His name is Bill Sher, and he's the politics editor at the Washington Monthly. And in contrast to what we keep hearing, he said this. Oh, sorry, say, say the last part again. Well, I just want you to sort of give us the takeaway. What is it you want to leave us with that people can repeat and look smart? At the end of the day, the country is facing a choice between what Joe Biden has done as president, which is essentially finding a center-left path on most issues, working with Republicans when possible, or Trump's vision of a right-wing populism that is very anti-immigrant and and, and neo-isolationist. It's a very stark choice between two visions. It's not some poll-tested buzzword bladder. No No one can tell the difference. We're being given a choice. And it's good that we're having a choice, and the country is going to be able to make an informed decision come Election Day. Bill, thank you so much. Love the piece, and you did a terrific job in in, in giving it life. So thank you for that. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Here's the way that Bill concludes his thoughts in the Washington Monthly. He writes, most Democrats support what Biden represents. Most Republicans support what Trump represents. And there's no sizable group of voters seeking an alternative vision. Hmm. We may have others who get on the ballot, but not because there is a groundswell of voters who subscribe to their platforms. In all likelihood, Trumpism and Bidenism are the only governing visions that voters will put on the table. Unlike some past elections, when poll-tested buzzwords obscured what's at stake, the differences in 2024 will be apparent. And whatever happens next, we will have no one to blame but ourselves. Biden versus Trump is the race voters want. Really? What do you think? I love it. It's just just so counterintuitive. It's terrific. I wish I had said that. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Uh, Cy in Orlando. Cy, you're going first because if you tell me what you told Tamsin, my producer and call screener, this this is a discussion I want to have. Go ahead. Speak to me. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, first off, Happy New Year to you, TC, you and Dan. 
Um, thank you. Um, you know, I was going to call in a week or a week and a half ago. You had a guest on. I can't remember who it was, but this point that I'm making today uh, was on my mind. You know, I agree with everything that your guest said about policy. You know, the Biden uh, the Biden camp likes his policies. The Trump camp likes his policies. I think that's true. But I really think there's an underlying factor to this, uh, maybe subconsciously, and that's, you know, the Biden camp, if, if they were truthful, would probably love to say, man, look, he beat him again. And I think the Trump camp would love to be able to say, holy crap, he got back in. <laughs> As if the, the entertainment factor it plays a, would be, would play a big role in this whole election year. That's so that's my gut feeling. I don't know. Okay, that's what I wanted to hear you say because that's what I said in 2016. I remember being convinced and saying here on POTUS at the end of the summer of 2016, I I would analogize to uh, a novel you read on the beach that you didn't want to end, but it did end. And now all of a sudden the kids were back to school and it was time to get back to work. I always thought, and I was wrong, I always thought that there was entertainment value in Trump. You didn't know what he was going to do. You didn't know what he was going to say. People flirted with the idea of actually voting for him, but that we were then all going to get serious and this could never come to pass, that the dime store novel was going to get retired, but it wasn't. And it, it has made me wonder ever since whether the entertainment factor of Trump, I hate to say this, but do some people prioritize, uh, you know, just just being stimulated to keep watching TV and hear what he has to say, not regarding the policies, but just because it makes life interesting. He's a very entertaining guy. Hey, yeah, I, I think the best thing for the country, in my personal opinion, would be a... Um, uh, Mansion Lieberman ticket if they ever got their act together with policy like like your guest had said but uh, um, yeah I think the entertainment factor is an alluring an alluring thing so we shall see thanks for taking my call all right Cy happy new year to you as well uh, this is Joan in Wisconsin wait a minute I want to try and say where you're calling from don't don't spoil it for me okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Mukwanago. Oh, my goodness. Mukwanago. Mukwanago. <laughs> Mukwanago. Where is Mukwanago in means, Wisconsin? Uh, we are a suburb of Milwaukee, southwest, and nice. we are the home of the bear. This is Indian country. We still okay. call our football team the Warriors. The Warriors. Are you allowed to do that? I don't know. I don't know. We I'd, refuse I'd have, I'd, to not do it. I would We're have not to see, into political correctness. <laughs> I would have to see what the uniform looks like to know if, if it passes yeah. muster in 2024. Anyway, what did, what did you want to say from Mukwanago? I would love to be. Uh, here's what I want to say. I think your guest was as far off as he could be. I think he's wishful thinking. And oh. I think he kind of revealed his. He revealed his tendencies in how he described the binary choice at the end. I forgot exactly what he said, but he called Trump a neo-isolationist or something of the sort. So here's, here's my concern. First of all, I want to say I am a conservative thinker, but I have no use uh, for either political party. We have seen what they're about, and they're about anything but the people. 
and uh, they have become a uniparty, and they will do anything to hold on to power and control. The thing he is disregarding that we have never seen before, Biden is clearly become feeble and demented. And that is an irrefutable fact from anyone who is watching and has the wherewithal to be truthful. We cannot. Okay, well, hey, hang on. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I have the wherewithal to be truthful. Do I think he's yeah. lost a step? I do. Uh, does his frailty concern me? It does. Do I yeah. see signs of dementia? I don't, unless I'm watching a loop on Fox where he's tripped or something and they show it to me 50 times. And by the end of it, I say, OK, there must be something wrong. Well, you and I disagree and we don't really have to debate that. I'm okay. a nurse. That doesn't mean I know. Uh, but I will tell you that his mental capacity has declined substantially in recent years, and it's going to continue on that path. It's not a fault. It's a function of being alive. Okay. And that is not a characteristic that we can afford in the presidency of the United States. But both of these parties, um, I believe there is a clear choice. I believe there is a significant difference in between between what some of us view as the essential characteristics of living free and what others view as the way we should live. So there are choices for us to make. I think um, the, the latest iteration that I just watched on the news this morning, now the Democrats, are, they're, they're needing to knock Trump out because they are seriously concerned that despite the fact they think he's the devil incarnate, he may get reelected, but now they're going to try to bring back the emollient issue. And the dishonesty in the media is just beyond understanding. You mean with the uh, seven as, or eight million dollars that that foreign yeah, entities and, paid and, into his. Oh, by the way, thank you for bringing that up, because the the committee report that is behind all of that. Uh, coverage today is posted on my website and my newsletter. My editor, Alice, said to me, you know, do you want one of the news stories? And I said, no, I want the actual report so that people can read it and judge for themselves. So I neglected to mention that. And thank you for giving me the chance to do so. I got to wrap. I got to wrap. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Thanks. Well, we need people like you who are willing to bring us primary sources because we cannot discern what is true in listening to most of the media. And that Thank is you. a huge problem. That's high praise from Mukwanago. Mukwanago. From <laughs> Mukwanago. Mukwanago. Thank you, Joan. Right, Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank, thank you for going. You, you, you never should have tried it because Mukwanago. once you say it wrong, you know, you should have Ashwagandha. Her... Oh, there you go. Mukwanago. Oh, jeez. I'd like to get some ashwagandha in Mukwanago. Do you think there's a store? There's like a... No doubt. Some type of a store that could sell it to me there. They got it all. Uh, Leon standing by in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Leon. What do you make of my guest, Bill Share, and his argument that in Trump and Biden, you're getting exactly what the country wants? You, you, and I would totally agree. As a 70-year-old black man who's been watching everything <laughs> unfold in my lifetime, 
we are exactly at that point. We are exactly at the point where we are going to either be the old school America, which means that uh, a one society rules another group of people, or we are going to be one country. There is no question about it. And I've been waiting for someone to really, really come down to the core. It is going to be, uh, and the way that I look at it, like I said, an old guy, uh, they, they really are looking for control. Who's going to control this place? Who, who, which, which side? Are we going to have the uh, MAGA or are we going to have a republic? That's really the deal going to be an interesting year for sure. I can't believe it's it's finally here after how many times we spoke in 2023 or 2022. Oh, 2024, 20, and now here we are on the 5th of January. Uh, thank you, Leon. Happy New Year to you. Ladies and gentlemen, you can get in on this phone conversation. Bill Sher was here from the Washington Monthly to make the case that this race is what we want, that it's a stark choice, and each side has a messenger for a dominant mindset in Trump and in Biden. You might not like their personalities, but in terms of a policy perspective, like, you know, they are each, what did he say? Accurate reflections of what their parties stand for. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Hey, there's a story today posted at my website in today's newsletter from Huffington Post that has relevance to what we're talking about. The choice between Trump and Biden and my guest Bill Scher saying there's really not a, a groundswell in his view for an alternative. And I said, well, what about no labels? And you've got these polls out there. They say two thirds wish they had another choice. Jennifer Bendery writes for Huffington Post. This is interesting. No labels, the centrist political group planning to offer a bipartisan unity ticket for the 2024 presidential election may not actually have a Democrat on its ticket. One of its top leaders said in a video recording of a recent event that was obtained by Huffington Post. This is a quote from Ryan Clancy. He's the chief strategist for No Labels. He's been a guest on this program. He did a Zoom event on December 20. Quote, one of the things we've also gotten asked about is if there is, of course, Republicans and Democrats, there are also independents and their presence on the ticket. And what if it's a Republican and an independent? I think that's certainly possible. Clancy was responding to an attendee who raised the concern shared by many Democrats as No Labels prepares to launch a third-party presidential candidate. 
they will function as a spoiler, taking Democratic and independent votes away from President Joe Biden and boosting presumptive Republican nominee Donald Trump. This is all under the headline, no labels. We may not put a Democrat on our bipartisan ticket in 2024. I don't have a problem with this. I do know that the way that uh, Clancy and other spokespeople for no labels, I, I think Lieberman and Manchin and Huntsman have often spoken of an R and a D. But I've I've always accepted the fact that it might not be an R and a D. It might be an I and a D or an I and an R or, you know, some combination thereof. I, I don't think no labels needs to be wedded to the idea that they're going to have a Democrat and an independent. If there's an independent out there who's worthy, then they shouldn't be precluded. Now, the question is, is there such an independent? I mean, I can't name someone who today is is unaffiliated with either the R's or the D's. But there might be somebody who is in that category at a time when they get around to making their selection. So anyway, the story's there. It's for your consumption. It's in today's newsletter. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.